One film that, as a family, we have loved over the years, and even mentioning this is going to cause a bit of embarrassment, I think, but the film is Paddington. Any Paddington fans in the room or at home? I can see lots of people waving. Do you want to see a picture of him? Here we go. Here's a statue of Paddington. But there is a, a character in the film, not Paddington himself, but one of the members of the family who adopt Paddington, and there's a girl called Judy. And she's probably, what, 12, 13, 14 years of old. And Paddington is, is a great philosopher. I don't know if you've been aware of, of Paddington's skill at philosophy. But he says this about Judy. Judy suffers from a serious condition called embarrassment. Embarrassment. She is embarrassed by everything. She is embarrassed by her parents. We've probably all been there, haven't we? Not looking at anyone in the corner in particular. She is embarrassed by her brother. She is embarrassed by Paddington himself. Embarrassment. I wonder whether you've been embarrassed by somebody else or even by yourself. But it happens in life, doesn't it? Those moments when we just find ourselves curling up inside, cringing, wishing that something would stop. And I think it actually happens when something sort of confronts our idealized view of how the world should be. And it creates a sort of disconnect. Or if you want Wikipedia's definition, Wikipedia is the fountain of all knowledge, isn't it? It says this, embarrassment or awkwardness is an emotional state that is associated with mild or severe levels of discomfort, which is usually experienced when someone commits a socially unacceptable or frowned upon act that was witnessed by or revealed to others. You're probably thinking, why are we talking about embarrassment? Paul doesn't talk about embarrassment in 2 Timothy. No, he doesn't, but he uses an even stronger word. And the word is the word ashamed. The word ashamed. And it's a common word for Paul to use. In fact, he uses it 12 times through the various epistles that he writes. Here's just one example where it comes in another place. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes in Romans, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so here in the second letter to Timothy, this young church leader, he encourages Timothy not to fall into being ashamed. Now, we live in a society, don't we, where Christianity exists largely on the margins. It's it's probably about 97% of the population now have no regular contact with Christian communities or regularly gather to worship in any way. And so for us to express our belief in a crucified and risen and returning Messiah is something that then cuts against the culture. And we find ourselves clashing with either modernity or post-modernity or all these other fancy terms that explain what our culture is like at the moment. Now, it can be easy for us to think, no, that's not me. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of my hope in the gospel. But Paul actually says two things about being ashamed here. He says, firstly, don't be ashamed of the gospel, the message of our Lord. But he also says, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of me. When Paul was imprisoned in Rome, many people started to desert him. I suppose it's it's quite a human thing, isn't it? If if the apostle who was preaching to the Gentiles ends up in prison in Rome in a squalid and horrid cell, it's not exactly the kind of advert that most people would want for this is what trusting in God looks like. You could see that for some people that looks like a life that has hit the buffers. After all, who wants to be following an apostle of that nature? But as we saw for Paul last week, his imprisonment in Paul's eyes is just a temporary blip. There is a greater soundtrack, as we saw last week. There is this view of eternity that stretches out right in front of him. 
As humans, though, we so often look with the eyes of the temporary, don't we? And not with the eyes of faith. Not with the eyes of eternity. So Paul says, don't be ashamed of the gospel and don't be ashamed of me. We could put it into our own context and we could say, well, don't be ashamed of our faith in Jesus and don't be ashamed of his people. Don't be ashamed of the church. You know, as a minister, I don't get to hide very much when people ask me what I do for a job. And it's one of the first questions anyone asks you, isn't it, when when they meet you? What do you do? Who are you? What do you do? Where do you live? Those kind of questions. And once I say I'm a minister, it's then, well, there's the conversation. Either comes to a dead halt there, or people start to ask some really quite interesting questions. It can be tempting, though, at that point, to hide behind the slight respectability of the church. Because even in a society where 97% of people don't go to church, they at least know what church is, and they still see churches around. And you can still talk about that. And it can be easy to hide behind that. Or perhaps we talk about our faith in Jesus, yet we won't talk about God's people. So you might be somebody who finds it really easy to talk about what God's doing in your life and sharing stories about how Jesus has answered prayer. But then you don't want to bring anybody near to God's people because we're such a weird bunch and we do weird things. You know, after all, we sat here today, um, all masked up, listening to songs of praise and thinking, well, what's all this about? We pray to God who we can't see. We have all these strange rituals like communion that we do. People would think I'm very odd if they came. And even worse now, it's on YouTube. They don't actually have to come into the building. They can just watch and they can see how odd we all are. But actually, you know, the church has already always had its critics. It's always had people on the outside who would look in and say, what a strange bunch. And Paul was no stranger to that. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness, foolishness to Gentiles. Paul's real point to Timothy, don't be ashamed. Even if it looks like foolishness, don't be ashamed because what we have in Christ is the truth. What we have is the hope of grace and the hope of eternity. So how do we have this confidence in the gospel? Well, in verse 6, Paul reminds Timothy to fan into the flame the gift of God, which has been given to him through the laying on of hands. As John Stott puts it, and I really like this, to be waiting in God in prayer for constant renewal. Waiting in God in prayer for constant renewal. So what was this gift that had been imparted to Timothy. Well, we have to be reasonably cautious here because the Bible doesn't tell us absolutely directly. But if you look at 1 Timothy 4.14 and this passage here, I think it's reasonable to suggest it's some kind of ministry gift that Timothy has and he's been passed on the baton of church leadership. So we could say the laying on of hands is some kind of commissioning of a church leader or it may even be um, some kind of ordination. But it's, it's it's that kind of thing. But for any Christian whether you're a leader in a church setting, whether you're um, a Christian of of whatever capacity you serve God, we need the power and renewal of the Holy Spirit. We need the power and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we dry up and we wear out, and we fall into these traps of being ashamed. See, having confidence in Jesus is not just about an emotional response. I don't know about you, but I find my emotions go all over the place particularly at the moment when the news one morning seems quite good and you're in a good mood and then you suddenly realize you can't see family members and by the end of the afternoon you've gone down again. That is not a guide to our confidence in Jesus. It has to be based 
on a lot more than human emotion. So in verse 8, it talks about power, love, and self-discipline. Things that the Holy Spirit will grow deep within us as he renews us and as we submit to the will of God. I wonder if anyone has ever said to you, perhaps in a social setting, or perhaps you've, you've stood at the front of church and spoken, or perhaps um, something in a work situation, and they've said to you, you need to have more confidence. You need to have more confidence. Have you ever tried self-generation of confidence? It's not an easy thing to do because actually stuff underneath has to change for us to get more confidence. Otherwise, all we end up doing is becoming a better actor. And there is nothing in the gospel that suggests that acting is, is a good thing. You know, we have to be real with God and real with who we are. So Paul's plea to Timothy is not try and act as if you're more confident in the gospel, but it's pray that the Spirit renews you so that you get more confident in the gospel. So that this confidence is something that the, uh, the, the Lord himself builds within you. But what is also clear is that the work of the Spirit in Timothy's life is not a static work. It's not a one-off event. But as John Stott said, it's that continuous renewal. So Paul in verse 14 speaks of the Spirit living in us. He's already spoken at the beginning of that fanning into flame of the gift that the Spirit has put in us. I don't know if you've ever lit a fire. I quite like lighting fires. Um, in safe place, places, of course. Um, but here you go. Here's a log burner. If you light a fire in a log burner, you need several things to get that fire going. You need fuel. You need dry kindling to start it off. You need a source of ignition. But you can have all those things. But unless you've got oxygen, the fire will just go out. You won't ever get the fire going. You need to be able to fan it into flame. Once the air gets going, and if the fuel is dry, then the fire will become a roaring fire and keep you nice and warm. As Christians, we need the power of the Spirit to keep going. And we need it to fan into flame those gifts that God has already given us. You know, I believe, and I think the New Testament is very clear, that every Christian has been equipped in some way for service. Every Christian has been given grace gifts, gifts by the Spirit, so that we can see the kingdom of God built and the church strengthened. But without the renewal of the Spirit, those kind of things can just lie dormant. And this is what Paul didn't want for Timothy. He wanted it to be fanned into flame so the next generation of Christians had more confidence than the one before. But perhaps you're here today and you're like, well, I'm not sure how God is calling me to serve him. I'm not sure how God has gifted me or equipped me. I was chatting to um, Jane Cross earlier this week, and Jane's given me permission to share this. And she was telling me the story of how, for, for many years, she wasn't sure of what it was God was calling her to do. She wasn't sure of how God was calling her to serve. And she kept seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord. And eventually she felt God revealed to her that she should be involved in prayer ministry and, and praying for other people and a sort of ministry of intercession for others. And as she then stepped into that, becoming part of the prayer team, she saw that God used that in, in many different ways with many different people. If you're not sure what gift God has put into you, and we're all different, you know, chat to me, chat to one of the leaders. If you're in a small group, chat to your small group leader. We'd love to have those conversations with you. But let's be praying for the fanning into flame, that which God has put in us. This confidence in the gospel and this equipping of the saints. So that like Paul, we can say towards the end of the passage, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. 
Do we have that confidence in Jesus this morning to entrust everything to him? To entrust your life today? Your life, even if we were like Paul, sat in a dingy Roman prison cell? Our eternity, that the Spirit will guard it and keep us until that great day when Jesus returns in glory. Will we this week be people who are praying for that continual renewal of the Holy Spirit? I think it can be tempting at the moment while we're going through this pandemic to think that somehow God has put us on a furlough scheme. You know, that somehow as Christians we should just be taking a period of of time off from proclaiming the gospel and, and serving or whatever. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. God calls us to serve in season, out of season. He calls us to use those gifts that he's given us. So would you join me in praying this morning that actually God will fan into flame those things that he's put into us and give us that renewed confidence in the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray this morning that you would renew my confidence in you, that for those of us in this room this morning, for those of us watching online, that you would renew our confidence in the gospel. Would you keep the the Spirit's fire burning within us? Would you fan into flame those gifts which you have placed in us so that the church may be strengthened, so that we will speak fearlessly of our faith and hope in you? Lord, renew as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.